Thank you for listening to this Podcast One production. Now available on Apple Podcasts, Podcast One, Spotify, and anywhere else you get your podcasts. Goblins, ghouls, spiders, and ghosts. What company saves you on car insurance the most? On a treacherous ride down a long, windy road? Or the terror of traffic that makes your head explode? Geico is there to vanquish all worries. On an evening ride? Or off to work in a hurry? Though some other companies may seem abhorrent, with Geico, 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance. Less scary than that outfit you wore to prom. Go get your quote at geico.com. Halloween is around the corner, which means the ghosts and the ghouls are out. And if the ghosts are out, we're going to need a professional ghost hunter to enlighten us. Today is a very special episode for us. Welcome to Sus. Share your scare where we talk to different people and hear their stories of survival, the paranormal, and all things sus. I'm your host, Brennan Taylor. This is the co-host, Jake. What's up? And today we have on the OG paranormal investigator that actually got me interested in hunting ghosts in the first place. Let's welcome to the podcast, Jason Haas from the original Ghost Hunters. What's, What's up? up? How What's you doing? Up, dude. Oh my god, this is like a, like a, my childhood dream is coming true right now because I used to watch you religiously on the show. I I love that show. So thank you for making time to be on the podcast. Oh, I, I appreciate you guys having me. This is great. Of course. And now I know that you have a new show coming out on the Travel Channel called yeah. Ghost Nation. What what is yeah. that going to be like? I'm like I'm excited. Yeah. The nice thing is, well, we're actually our second season's airing right now, and uh, the show is it pretty much. When I when I sat down with Travel, I had talked with them. Uh, <clears throat> they wanted to know if I was interested in coming back to television because I had just taken some time off. I mean, I was on te- television for 12, 13 years. Yeah. And uh, so uh, and I said, yeah, as long as we can show an investigation from the beginning to the end and really what goes into the whole thing. And I mean, talking about diving deep into the history, the, the historical research, all that stuff, because it plays such an important role in every investigation. And they loved it. They said, you know what, you wanted to, if you're willing to do a show, do it the way you want to do it. And uh, so and Ghost Nation was born. And we've really we've been having a blast because people I think they're really realizing that there's a lot more to going. I mean, we go to these locations and we're there sometimes a couple of weeks, but minimum we're there, you know, seven days. So uh, people are able to see us meet the people. uh hear their claims, look into it, uh, really dive into the research and figure out what's going on. And uh, so they're with us through the investigation from the beginning to the end. That sounds awesome. So if you guys don't know, it's called Ghost Nation. It's on the Travel Channel. So make sure to check that out. But let's let's backtrack a little bit. Let's go back to your roots. How did this all start? How did you get interested in the paranormal? Well, I wasn't really interested in the paranormal until I was about 1920, where I had my own experience. And to be honest, it was one of those things where I saw something and I had never thought really much about ghosts or hauntings because it wasn't anything I ever saw. So I never really had any belief in it. Um, But it was when I had my own experience and I saw I saw what appeared to be a ghost that upon trying to research how it was possible, there was just so much so much crap out there. And I'm sure as, as you, uh, you, you've been involved in the paranormal field looking around there, there's a lot of garbage. Um, everybody's willing to call something a ghost, a haunting without ever looking into the real explanation. Exactly. And that's just not how I ever saw it. I I was one of those people where I like the hands on, I like to figure it out for myself. So we just, I decided to start looking into how these things were, were possible. And, uh, from there, uh, taps was born and taps became the top, top paranormal website in the world last year alone. I believe it received about 90 million visitors. And, uh, what about- and, you know, I, I helped out on a ton of television shows behind the scenes, asked, I was asked to do TV numerous times, kept on saying no, because I just didn't want to be on TV. I right. didn't understand. I didn't really think anybody would find it interesting. I mean, I've got a bunch of guys and girls walking around in the dark at night. <laughs> right. um, but finally, we agreed because they weren't going to change anything. They were going to let us keep it real. And uh, and Ghost Hunters was born. That's so freaking cool, man. Uh, so the, sh- the show actually originally started in like 2004. So you said 90 million visitors last year. What about in its like in the heydays? What was it getting? Oh, well, I, I, we were, we we're well into the hundred plus million, but, uh, and the website, the website is international. I mean, it, people come from everywhere around the world and there's a whole thing. We've got the taps family, which is our groups that are based 72, uh, 72 groups, which we've got like 60 based in the United States and, and we're covering multiple other countries. So a lot of people go there in search of help in their area because they can find a group anywhere. Yeah. For us, at least like when we, when we've gone to like some scary spots and like some haunted, possibly haunted spots, how do you guys deal with when you get there and like, 
it's just crap, you know? Because, like, for us, like, we go to some spots and they're just, like, crap. And we just, like, end up having to throw away the video. We waste time. And, like, how do you guys deal with it on a bigger production level? Well, and think about it. All right, so we did a case out in uh, San Fran at one point where we were called out to uh, a brewery out there. And when we got out there, we spent the time, looked all around, and found out that they had stuff rigged in the ceiling, had stuff rigged in the bathroom uh, behind the mirror. Um, It it was ridiculous. It's one of those things where... It sucks because you could be helping somebody and these people tried to pull one over on you because they wanted the label of being haunted. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it comes it comes with with the territory. You need to remember that when you when you go to these cases, over 80 percent of them, you're going to be able to disprove. You're going to be right. able to figure out and that has nothing to do with the paranormal. So um, you just got to understand that most of the cases you go to aren't going to have crap going on. Yeah, it's uh, it's the ones that you hit that do that really keep keep your going, keep, keep the ambition. Would you say you're more of like a skeptic or a believer? Call me a boleptic. How about that? A believer <laughs> boleptic. A skeptic. I like that. <laughs> so, um, because I believe in the, para- uh, the paranormal. So para is just a Greek word for beyond. So you've got beyond the normal of what we're used to. So think about it this way. Microwave signals were considered paranormal up until we understood them. Um, I'm a firm believer in there's more to, to us after we pass on. Now, there's different types of hauntings. Uh, you have your intelligent, like you and I, after we pass, and we're trying to communicate. You have your residual, which is kind of like a tape player re- rewinding and playing itself over and over again. And you have your poltergeist, nothing like the movie. It's more somebody manifesting the activity themselves. And that's when it comes to human haunts. But over the last decade or two, we've seen this new type of haunt that seems to be showing more and more, uh, more often. And it's like a time overlap. It's you, you might you might make contact with somebody who's. Yeah, you know, from 1920, who's still living a day in their life in 1920, and for whatever reason, you're able to hear them, or they're they're able to hear you. Um, they're living a normal day in their life. We're living a normal day mm. in ours. Wow. You got to think when it comes down to it. Some of the top physicists out there said that time is only present here on the planet. So, uh, and time is a construct that we've created. If you, if you think about yeah. it, so the possibility of it overlapping is definitely there. Yeah. You mentioned uh, residual hauntings. I'm so interested in like, how does a residual haunting really work? Like, can you dive into that a little bit? Yeah. So a lot of times it's a traumatic experience that for whatever, because the, the human body, we give, we give off energy, but it's a traumatic experience that that energy is trapped within an object or a, something that makes up the home. In the UK, in England, I mean, uh, residual haunts are, are very common. And you're talking about people walking around, you know, having, having their heads removed and so forth. Um, but here, a lot of times you'll get you know, somebody walking down the stairs and it's not that they're really there because it, think of it again, like a tape player, you're rewinding and playing it over and over again. So it's just the, the actual the recording of that experience happening. So a lot of times you'll see somebody walking down the stair, but it always seems to happen at the same time in the same place, whether it's, you know, uh, once a, once a week, once a month, once a year, it's always that same thing. It never changes. So you'll always see that spirit walking down that stair, or a lot of times here's a good, good way to figure out if it's a residual haunt. If you go to a home and somebody says, I have this spirit, I see him all the time. And he walks directly through that wall. Well, people people aren't going to walk through walls. So if you pull up the uh, the blueprints on the on the original construction of the house and find out there used to be a doorway there and now it's a wall, somebody decided to put the doorway over here. Um, you know, it's a residual because it's following a path that it followed so many times prior. And again, we're not going to go walking through right. a wall. So a residual haunt when they, when they walk through something like that, a lot of times you can find from old blueprints that there used to be an opening or a doorway or something there. Right. So with the res- residual haunting, like you can't really communicate with these things right because they're just kind of just doing the same thing yeah and you uh, you truly got to find what that that energy is attached to uh, a lot of times people will get residual type haunts when they're they go and buy an old uh, old piece of furniture or an old antique or something um and the activity will kick up when you remove the object from the house the problem stops wow. so yeah it, it's really it's it's one of the most interesting hauntings out there think yeah about that it. but is- then again you could spend forever trying to figure out what the energy is attached to. It could be attached to an object in the house. It could be attached to a rock in the foundation of the house. So who knows? Right. And I, I'm, I'm really into like, you know, saging and like really cleansing my energy before, before and after leaving these spots that I'm in. Do you ever like feel that something can get attached to you? Yeah, I, I believe something can follow you. I've never had anything follow me. And to Eastern, when it comes down to saging or – some people believe in, in holy water and things mm-hmm. of that nature. I've just I've been the type of person who I never want to go in somewhere with something 
that if it's taken away from me, I feel vulnerable Mm -hmm. because you got to remember, we do a lot of cases. People only see one part of TAPS and and what we do. But we handle cases for law enforcement, for religious organizations. We get sent in to write a preliminary reports on so-called possessions, demonic type hauntings, which 99.9% of the possessions have nothing to do with paranormal and it's honestly over-medicated, under-medicated, self-medicated, over-religious. You'll never see somebody become possessed who's not very religious. So do the math on that one. Yeah, and ha- um, have you seen someone possessed? We've worked on cases that the churches have believed that we've gone out, we've uh, we've worked on these cases, wrote up preliminary reports, and then the church has, or the, uh, the religious organization has decided that they felt it best to to do an exorcism of that sort. So yeah, we have, I mean, when you're talking out of thousands of cases, you might end up with one or two um, that find that fall within that right. the inhuman type haunt. Now inhuman type haunt is a, is a wide range because inhuman. So it's something that's never walked the earth in human form. So a demonic of course is inhuman uh, incubus, succubus, which are known as sexual predators, but also angelics would fall under in, inhuman haunt, uh, elemental type activity, you know, little nature spirits that people talk about. Those would fall under inhuman type haunt. So it's not always a negative type thing. But uh, yeah, we've worked on some, and it's when you're when you're dealing with somebody who's speaking a language that hasn't been spoken in two thousand years. There's definitely something that that makes you question how how it's possible right and is it like the movies like how we how we see it in the movies where they're breaking bones and they're screaming in this deep voice like is it like that at all no i've never seen anybody break bones. i've seen people do weird contortions with their bodies i've seen people speak uh in in tongue or speak things that again languages that haven't been spoken in uh, in centuries um but it's also just people knowing things that there's no way for them to know uh I worked on a case with John Zaffis, who's mm-hmm. an old friend of mine, who he did Haunted Collector for a while. And John and I were uh, on a case in Maine, and we were there, and it was it was supposedly a demonic-type haunting case. Well, we didn't see any signs of it until we got ready to leave. And the lady, now, it was it, there was a blizzard going on outside. It was horrible. but uh, And the lady turned to us, and I've never seen it. Honestly, it creeped the hell out of me, but... Um, she just turned to us and started talking about a car that had flipped over down the road on the hood. And, and we're just like, what? whatever, we're just, we're getting out of there. Get in the car, start driving down the road, take a corner, drive about half a mile down. What is there? There's a car that's flipped over on the hood and, and on its roof. And, and these, wow. How would she have known that? There was no radios on, there, there were nothing on. She was with us the whole time. Um, so things like that. So you, you need to, I mean, you need to look, look for uh, the actual, the clues that throw it out there. Now, I'm not going to sit there and say that it's definitely a demonic type haunt or that one religion works better than the others, because I've worked with everybody from Jewish, uh, Jewish individuals to Catholic to uh, to Mormon. And it's it really when they come in and they're doing their their preaching, it's the belief that they have in what they're saying that seems to to empower them enough to uh, to make these things leave. That, that's insane. And then I'm sorry, we're going to backtrack a little bit. You mentioned thinking of a plant. Succubus. And Succubus. <laughs> They're known as sexual predators. They're, uh, you know, used to be talked about, yeah, since the Roman days of holding down weary travelers and, and uh, you know, doing things to them in the woods. It's so wow. <laughs> yeah, because I remember when I was doing some research on like the the Perone family uh, from the Conjuring yeah, House. Parent, parent family, yeah, and they're they're good friends of mine. Yeah, and they they mentioned something like that um, early on too that that happened to the, to the little girls at the house. So. Are those common? And, and how does that form? Is it like just they were a bad person in real life and then when they died, they just continued being bad? Or like, how does that? Well, no, they, the incubus and succubus fall under inhuman type haunts. So according to oh. belief system, they're things that have never walked the earth in human form. Now, when you're talking about, you know, a spirit, if somebody's a miserable or just a, a horrible person in life, when they pass on, they can be that horrible person there too. Mm. But you also need to take in consideration that if somebody's walking around for a hundred years and trying to make contact or however long they're walking around might not feel like a hundred years to them. However long they're walking around, they're trying to make contact and nobody's acknowledging their Mm. existence. They're going to get more and more agitated over time. And a lot of people will experience the thing. They'll, they'll sit there and say, well, it slapped me. This thing slapped me. And yeah, a lot of times it is. If if they're sitting there poking at you and you're not you're not acknowledging, they're trying to move small objects and not acknowledging, and finally they swing hard and that's the time you feel it. Well, was it malicious intent or was it just finally that you were able to to acknowledge that they're there? Um, 
So you, you got to take everything that happens with a grain of salt and really try to understand. Uh, because, I mean, we've had and it's also people's perception of these things. We had a lady contact us years back who told us a ghost had stabbed her in the kitchen. So we go there. I mean, she's sending me pictures of knife wounds and everything. It's like, oh, my God, this thing stabbed her. So we rush out there. Well, come to find out what happened was she came around the corner, saw somebody she didn't know standing there, which was the spirit, she believes. She jumped back, hit her fridge. On top of her fridge, she kept her butcher block knife thing. And that fell over. One came out, came down and caught her in the shoulder. But her belief, her the way she viewed it is that she was stabbed because of the ghost. Well, right. you know, you're stabbed because of un- unfortunate circumstances, yeah. but it had nothing to do with the ghost. So and it's we, always people's perception of things. Yeah, and and when you let them know something like that, like or when you like really put it into perspective and and let it know that maybe that's how it happened, and you try to debunk things, how do the people usually take it? Are they usually like accepting of it, or is it more like a battle? Well, some people are great, and some people end up really very much disliking me. <laughs> but you know what? <laughs> The, the, the bottom line is I'm one of the – some people think I'm abrasive, but I'm not. I'm just one of the most straightforward people you, right. you'll ever meet. And I'm going to tell you the truth. Whether you're going to like me or not, I want – if you're going to hate me, hate me for my honesty. Mm-hmm. And I, I, that's that's mainly it. So I'm going to tell you what we found, what we see, the way we see it. From there, you can draw your own conclusion. And I'm not, I'm not going to push you one way or another. But either you're going to like me when I leave the house or you're going to dislike me. Right. Either way, you called me in and I'm here to solve the problem to the best of our abilities. How do you banish high rates on car insurance? You switch to Geico during Geico-ween. <laughs> October is their favorite time of year, and the folks over at Geico have been working even harder to cast out high rates and craft just the right policy for you and your family. Switching to Geico isn't so scary, especially when they could brew up some spellbinding savings just for you. So get a quote today at geico.com and see just how much you could save. No I have new needed. Happy Geico-ween, everyone. <laughs> Speaking on, like, when you go to an investigation, do you ever feel like when you once you turn the cameras on that everything suddenly, like, stops and nothing happens, like, if there's activity when you first walk in? Because I feel like that happens to us uh-huh. a lot of times. Like, we'll be in a place, and it's doing a lot of things, and then we'll turn the cameras on, and, like, everything just goes. It's almost like they know there's a camera or something, and they just don't want to be seen. Or- yeah. Well, see, and, and that's, I think, that's where being at an area for a big length of time comes in handy. Because think of it this way. If I set up cameras in the house, initially – if I said, and we do this even with the families, because a lot of times we want to know how that family's interacting when people aren't around. So we'll set up cameras. And for the first so many hours, people are going to act different because the cameras are on. But over time, they're going to revert back to their original right. self. They're going to forget. They're going to start, you know, act, saying things that they would say when the cameras weren't there. Mm. And so, so when we're setting up cameras and we're letting them roll for a week, two weeks at a time, I mean, That's things tend to, to forget the cameras are rolling and just start living their normal life again. Yeah. Makes sense. Yeah, that's that's yeah, crazy. So it's it's all it's all about time. It's all about you know the cameras rolling twenty four seven. Eventually, people start to show who they are, and that's going to come down to spirit activity as well. If they're purposely trying to avoid the cameras or do things that that avoid the cameras, great. But over a week or two, they're going to screw up here and there, and they're going to do something on camera. Yeah, that's that's definitely true. What was like the main the main goal? initially when you first started like being interested i know you got interested because something happened to you but after that like what's the, what was the goal well the goal was to honestly initially it's funny because a lot of people hated us initially because our thing was we came out we we just wanted to keep it real we wanted to call bs on a lot of the stuff that was out there so we started looking at orbs and it's like, well, wait a minute. I can create orbs just by slapping a pillow and taking pictures in the dark. It's, right. it's nothing nothing ghostly. Um, or take a picture outside and do that. And bugs flying by. Or put a camera strap too close to the lens. Um, so we, we, we called BS on it. We, we posted all that stuff. And people initially, oh, we got some serious backlash. Yeah. But then people started realizing, wait a minute. These guys are onto something. And, uh, and started really listening to to us on that stuff. And I think so I think a lot of the initial thing was we were trying to understand how these things were how actual paranormal activity was possible, but there was so much BS out there that we had to try to punch a hole through that to get to get to where we wanted to be. And uh so that our initial goal uh was just honesty and and just showing people that not every not everything's a ghost and yeah. not everything is paranormal and uh and just look a little harder for the explanation. I mean, we've dealt with cases, dealt with cases where somebody was having uh, lights flicking on and off in their house, and uh, 
and of course terrified that it was it was paranormal because they'd be sitting in the kitchen and, and start talking yeah. and he's like okay but there were a bunch of chipmunks that actually were living in between the walls and they kept on hitting the wire system so and when people are talking in the kitchen these things are flipping out because they they're hearing voices right near them they're hitting the wires so so there's so many different different possibilities of, of what these things uh, what's re- truly going on obviously you guys you know you did really well you were on for 11 seasons at the time what was like the your prime the prime time like what was that like for for you and and the rest of the team like just being out and about what was that like did everyone recognize you or what was it because i know the show was huge like i watched it all my friends watched it so i can only imagine i mean at one point it was uh it was us and mythbusters we were the highest rated cable shows out there so um yeah it was it was different because you know what i'm a family guy i've got i've got six kids and so and it became one of those things where it was tough you'd go out you'd try to go somewhere with your family and you're always trying to push the kids behind you because somebody's trying to take pictures or or whatever, but I, we'd go we'd go to conventions and we'd have you know five, six, seven thousand people standing in a line wow. uh, to meet us. That's crazy. Um, so there were there were great times in it where you were just ecstatic. You were like, oh my god, look at look at what we've what we've done. Um, but there were also times that you're just like, you know what? Yeah, you just want to disappear and I mean try going to Disney. I mean, or it, I took the kids one year. We went to Disney. We went to the haunted mansion. Oh, that was a hell of a mistake. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody and their brother knew me that was in that line. Um, but yeah, but it, honestly, it's it's been phenomenal to see the paranormal get pushed into the uh, the forefront and and looked at differently. Where people used to they mock it, they make fun of it, and now people can openly talk to one another about it and not feel so silly anymore. And I think that's that's the most important is that we we've really brought it to the forefront. Yeah, no, you definitely did. I feel like you guys are like the founding fathers of the paranormal world. I'm making me sound old. (laughs) (laughs) Not at all, man. You inspired a lot of people to, you know, get into stuff like this. Definitely. so watching your show, I know like all the B-roll shots, all the haunt, like the scary, like long wide shots. I understand that that has to be in there to drive the audience and drive the show and keep it like keep it interesting as a viewer to watch that. But is it ever like weird or like to not necessarily fake, but like make a scary like have someone do like a scary face in the camera for like those B-roll shots that end up being cut into the show. I get that. It, like it drives the show, but I, I, I always find it weird now watching. I'm being like, well, there's really not going to be like a headless body in the closet that you guys are showing on the show. You know what I mean? Well, when we did ghost hunters. The nice thing about it was uh, we, so we'd go in, we'd do our thing, yeah. we'd leave. And then the production company would oh. get their B-rolls. Oh, okay. and so we never had to worry. So I never had to worry about that. I never had to worry because I didn't want them in the place prior yeah, because I had sense. to worry. I didn't want to worry about contamination issues. Yeah. So yeah. after I'm done, after I've, uh, after I've helped out, you guys need to get your shots fine. Um, when it comes down to ghost nation, it's the same, it's the same setup where we'll go and we'll do what we want what we need to do. And when we leave, they'll sit down, they'll, uh, they'll do recreations. And the big thing about recreations is they want people to understand what, all right, this, this homeowner experienced this. So yeah. they want the visual of showing Definitely. what the homeowner experienced, but that's all done after. Oh, okay. Yeah, that home. makes sense. And the nice thing with that is again, we don't have to worry about people being in there prior. Mm-hmm. We don't have to worry about the contamination issues um, and stuff like that. And we just, we're there to help. And then if they got to get the extra footage, fine, but yeah. let us do what we got to do first, stay out of our way. And the nice thing is if you ever see us, you'll see, we don't, it's not set up. I mean, yeah. we come in, the only time something might be set up is, hey, we're going to meet the client. So they'll set their cameras up. Mm-hmm. And so when we walk in, they're, they're ready to record it because we want to sit down and we want to, the client to tell us on camera what they're experiencing so the viewer can understand that. So, but after that, I mean, the cameras, they follow us around. And, and I always told them from day one, you can ask any of my guys, you know what, roll camera. If you miss the shot, then you're explaining to LA that you screwed up. We're not doing it again. This is real, and it's all about keeping it real. Exactly. That's exactly what I tell my brother because he films all my videos for me, and sometimes he misses the shot, and I'm like, all right, you're, you're docked for this, this, this week's yeah. play. I mean, you can't – and just like – and I've been to other shows mm-hmm. or other things where people are filming and watch things, and they're like, oh, can you say that again? Yeah. And the people say it again. How can you – it's tough because if I said something sincere to somebody and you didn't catch it, and you want me to say it sincere again, it lost its yeah. emotion. It lost 100%. that connection. It lost that sincerity yeah. because I said it the initial time, the way I said it, how I said it 
was the the way I felt. Now, for me to try to say that again that same way, it's just not going to be there. Oh, for sure. For sure. And with, with your new show, Ghost Nation, like how, how much – say do you have when it comes to like locations and places is it all of them 100 percent, really 100 percent. we have we i'm not i'm not there to film so if we're if the whole idea was if we're going to do a show then the camera's going to follow us around they're going to if if we have a case we want to do we're going to go do that case the cameras come or they don't it doesn't matter to us so we're going to do it so we have 100 percent say on where we're going who we're helping and that's it's all about that um and I have to be honest, Travel Channel has been phenomenal to deal with. They really have, where they're just like, guys, do what you're going to do, just, you know, and, and have fun. Enjoy yeah. yourself doing it. And they've allowed us that that total freedom, um, which is, it's uncommon for, yeah. for most networks to, to be like that. But I think they understood that if we're coming back, this was how we were going to come back. If, say, they didn't want to come with you, would you guys still go and, like, film it or would you just go out and do it? We just do it without the cameras. So because taps existed prior, long prior to the show mm-hmm. and it existed long after when I when I walked away, when I said, you know what, I just I can't because they they wanted a couple more years. And I just I couldn't do couldn't do it. I needed some time off. Yeah. And my you know, my youngest kids were uh, were at that. At my twins, my twins were born and I started filming Ghost Hunters four days after they were born. Wow. All yeah. right. So they're they're 16 getting ready to turn 17 now. Um so it was just one of those things. I just, I needed time. Yeah. And, uh, so just walked away and, but even though we walked away, we still investigated. We just did it without cameras. I mean, taps still, still was on investigations all the time. The taps family is still all over the world. We still had taps family reunions, which is all the members of the group meet up, uh, once a year in, in one location, anywhere from you know 200 to 600 of us. Wow. And, uh, and go over cases and how to further the field. So it's never been about TV. It's always been about the field in general. TV has just been an avenue to, I think, help make the field look a little more professional and yeah. help people understand that this isn't just a bunch of people running around in the dark going, Ooh, and, and running away when they see something scary. Yeah. That it's a bunch of people who are really trying to understand what's going on. Yeah, I saw your a sneak preview of the next episode, The Reunion in Hell. How was that like? meeting up with everyone that you haven't seen in like five years or even the, the location that you haven't been there in so long. How was that? Honestly, Adam and Amy, they're, they're like family to us. They are. And, uh, Amy was with me for years, even prior to her being on ghost hunters with me, I had her, uh, helping to, uh, produce a radio show I used to do that was local that aired on a bunch of channels out here. Um, so we've been friends for a long time. So to be able to bring her in on ghost hunters and spend years with her. And then Adam, who was, uh, on Ghost Hunters Academy, mm-hmm. and I chose him as the winner from Academy, uh, who was only supposed to be on a couple episodes of Ghost Hunters, but I just liked the kid so much. We <laughs> kept him for years. That's awesome. um, so it was great. It was it was great to get to hang out with them again um, and just uh, we'll talk about old times, but also see how how they've changed in their style of investigating versus how they how they were doing it uh, when we were all on Ghost Hunters. Um, but, and they've really blossomed. I mean, those, those two are just wonderful people and, uh, they're family to me. Yeah, that's, that's beautiful. Um, I read somewhere that you were doing the ghost hunting show and, uh, Grant Wilson actually told you he would help you with your website or something. And that's how he got involved. Yeah. So I, I originally had Rhode Island paranormal uh-huh. and, uh, also taps and Grant had contacted me, uh, years after I had started taps, uh, about wanting to help out on the website. So, I mean, hey, because at that point it was, it was a little, it was a little tough. I mean, I, right. I was all over the place. So he started helping out and after a while started coming on investigations and yeah, and from there, you know, our friendship really, really took off. Eventually I got him into the, I used to be a master tech working uh-huh. on cars and I had left and become a, a plumber and uh, I got Grant into the plumbing field as well, trained him and rest is history that's so cool did you um did he like end up like wanting to work for free in the beginning is that how it happened and then you guys slowly formed that relationship well yeah yeah because uh, taps what we we've never accepted money we don't take money Uh for investigations we do this all free of charge because the rich the poor and everybody in between has problems so we've never charged anybody for uh for helping them out and uh and yeah and grant was helping us out for free because he kind of wanted to get because it was such a known, yeah. a well-known website at the time that he wanted to have that on his resume. Right. Yeah. And, uh, 
yeah, from there, it was just one of those things where a friendship blossomed. Yeah, see, I just want to tell the viewers and the listeners right now, like, this is, like, a great opportunity. If you have, if you see someone doing something that you want to do, you know, maybe ask them to help out and don't ask for, like, pay or anything like that because look what happened. You guys were the stars of the television show for <laughs> seasons on end. Like, that's crazy. Well, just from an crazy. email. crazy. I, I turned down doing doing television, like, five times before, <laughs> wow. I, before I finally accepted the thing with Ghost Hunters. It's yeah. just – because we had helped out. I had helped out on – everything MTV's fear and all these other shows behind the scenes. And they're always, and they kept on being like, Hey, we got to get you on camera. I was like, Nope, don't want to be on camera. So kept on turning it down. I literally turned down doing shows five times before I finally just Craig Polygian, the owner of Pilgrim films, great guy had sat me down at one point and goes, here's the deal. He goes, you're going to do it if somebody else is going to, and how are they going to represent the field? Right. You know, it was true. It was one of those wake up calls where I was like, you know what? Yeah. Because if somebody gets in there, and they're going to make this a whole mockery mm-hmm. and it's going to kill everything that we're trying to accomplish. Yeah. Hey, timing is everything, you know, maybe it was the perfect time. Cause look what happened with the, with the show. So, you know, I, I have a really a weird question to ask. I'm going to ask it. So if being, <laughs> being an investigator, if you had a time machine and you can go back to like, see something actually happening, where would you go? Like why? Oh, geez. Where would if being an investigator? Um, like if you can see it happening there, yeah. like like maybe a past haunting that happened a hundred years ago or something. Yeah, see, I think I don't think I'd go into the past because I think I look at most of those investigations right down to the Amityville and stuff, and I can see so many holes in in the claims. I and then I I dig deeper and I and I find more more uh, false statements or, or things that might've happened that were just overly embellished. I think I'd like to go into the future. Honestly, if I could go either way, I would go, I would sit there, I'd jump a hundred years into the future or even 50 years into the future and try to see where the field is at this point, at that yeah, point, because yeah. equipment's coming so far, uh, new devices are being worked on constantly, whether it's infrasound or, or different, uh, different frequency ranges. Um, let alone the, the new cameras that we're working with uh, cameras that, that can film in total ultraviolet and, wow. and all these uh, full spectrums. So maybe I'd, I'd like to go 50 years in the future and see cool. where maybe even some of my kids have taken it. Yeah. Because I, because I've got my three of my daughters all investigate the paranormal. Wow. Uh, my daughters are the older ones and we had three girls and then three boys. Um, and, uh, I mean, they've been investigating for a long time, and I'd just love to see how this field advances. Because you know what? I don't think I'll ever come up with the, you know, the solution on the paranormal or, or whatever. But if we've added one little rock or one little brick to the foundation of somebody who does in 100 or 200 years, then I think that I've, uh, I've been a part of it. And that's mm-hmm. all that matters. Yeah. You said your 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 daughters are, are investigators now. Are they going to be up on any of the Ghost Nation show or – yeah, yeah. It's actually Sat- Satori and Haley have uh, already been on episodes. Uh, awesome. And then we've got an episode where Samantha, my oldest, uh, who was on Ghost Hunters with me for like three years, uh, she she's on an episode with, uh, with Satori as well. Um, yeah, and we'll see about my boys. I mean, one of them is really interested in the paranormal. The two others would uh, probably haul ass. <laughs> hey, someone's got to run. You know, we, you always need a runner in there. But yeah. hey, if you ever want two YouTubers on, you know we're here. We're here. <laughs> well, where are you guys out of? We're in Los Angeles, California. Oh, so yeah. If I come out that way, absolutely. Let's get past this whole COVID thing. But, uh, Let's do it. I'd love to have you guys out there. That'd, awesome. That'd be so fun. You know what's really scary? What? Seeing just how much you could have been saving on car insurance by switching to Geico? It's almost as scary as that homemade elf costume your mom made you wear in junior high school. No, Geico can't erase the memory of you tripping down the hallway in oversized pointy shoes, but they could save you 15% or more on car insurance. Stop waking up at night in a cold sweat wondering what happened to that green onesie. Just switch to Geico and save. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more more on car insurance. Listen, the name of the game is Share Your Scare. So I want to know the scariest thing that has ever happened, whether it be on an investigation or whether it just be in your own day-to-day life. What is this your scariest moment? Well, besides being told that um, my wife was pregnant with twins, um, <laughs> let's see. Uh, well, we worked on a case, and uh, it was it was a case up north. I actually brought in a New York Times bestselling author, Jody Picoult, into it. Um, but we worked on this case, and we we got stuck at this home. We were sent up there to write a pre- write a preliminary report for a, a religious organization, and we went up there thinking nothing was going to happen. Um, 
we got into the house and Steve and everybody was with us. Um, and all hell broke loose. I mean, we had a birdcage shaking through the kitchen, which no explanation for. We had a refrigerator slide out of its reset and where it was recessed. Wow. We had a, a door closed as a father was sitting there talking to us. And this was really, really bothersome uh, because it makes you terrified. But a father sitting there talking to us has his hand on a door jam and the door closed and it removed one of his fingers right wow. there in front of us. No way. Um, oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. This was this was the worst case I had ever. I literally literally can say 100% ever been on um, because it was it was one of those things where you were sitting on the stairs of the house not moving because you just didn't feel safe um, but uh, yeah eventually the the clergy got up there but it was it was two days in hell and oh. that I never I never want to experience again but um, and we had come to find out the history of the house uh, it had a pretty dark history but even weirder I'll get into a little of the history but um weirder was when the family was renovating this house because they just they just bought it um opening up the walls and stuff in the walls there were uh baby shoes there were there was bloody clothes in the wall there was a i don't know if you know what a book of the dead is but a book uh it's literally when you die they'd dress you up and have your living family come around and have you sit up and they'd snap pictures of you well you're you're dead with but, your dead body you know, yeah. so yes i mean so there's there were uh, so Book of the Dead, people, you know, adults that were dead, children that were dead, um, all these things. Uh, but come to find out upon doing a lot of the research that there was some issues between Native Americans and some settlers. And in the basement, I mean, they would, they, they would hang some of them upside down. They would uh, bleed them out. And it was just it was a horrible place. But there had been occult activity, occult practices and stuff going on in the house prior to this family buying it as well. Did you clear the spirit in there or did they just move out or what happened? I didn't clear it. The clergy came in and they, I, honestly, when I, I knew they had come, we were there for the initial time. I knew that they had headed back to, uh, two other times after that because the activity was still going on. I believe the family ended up leaving the house, wow. um, but they just, it was one of those things where we, we did all we could because I can't, I'm not, I'll never go to somebody's home and tell them I can get something to leave Yeah, because yeah. I can't, I, first off, I can't hundred percent prove it's there. How can I tell you I can get it to leave? Um, and I can give you, I mean, if you have human type activity, I can give you advice on how to get these things to leave, how to ask them to leave and so forth. But when it comes to an inhuman, the only way to do that is to have what, if the family's religious have clergy from their belief system, come in and, and do blessings to try to push these things out. Uh, sometimes it works. Some, sometimes it doesn't. And it's, but it's a, it's a tough situation. And, I'll never tell somebody to sell a house and walk away mm -hmm. because I've always felt you, know, you should stand your ground. But eventually some people just have had enough and they just don't want to be there anymore. They don't feel safe. Even, even after the problem's gone. Wow. Yeah, I mean, I if, if you I had something <laughs> so bad going on in your home that even clergy came in and they cleared it, honestly, sitting there watching TV, would you ever feel safe again? No, no way. There's no way. No. No, because you always think no matter what, like this thing could come back. Yeah. And that's a terrifying situation that that a lot of people just don't want to ever deal with. Wow. I, I, that 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 shaken me to the core because the guy lost his finger. How yeah. many times are we in places and you don't even really think about stuff like that, like a door slamming on your hand? Like, I, I would have and, been and it wasn't even it wasn't even the, the actual door part. He had his hand on the door jam. Oh, so it was where wow. the door connects to the actual. Yeah. So that part closed. Wow. And you saw his finger come off. Yeah, man, it was horrible. Oh it was horrible. God. The only the only positive aspect was that there was tons of snow outside, so you could get you could get you know. <laughs> yeah, get it on Stick ice. Stick your hand in ice, real quick. Jeez. Yeah, but it, it, it's it's the one case I've never run out of a location. I've never I never had because I've always felt that if if I run away from something, I've got my back to it and I'm vulnerable. Yeah. So it's like eh, you know, fight and win or lose, at least you at least you fought. But. uh it was one of those situations where I was, I was terrified. Wow. I sat on the stairs with other investigators because you didn't know where to go because you didn't feel anywhere in the house was safe. Man, I, I would have said burn the whole house down at this point. Yeah, well, I mean, it probably, probably was a good option. <laughs> but then wow. again, you know, it's like, where does it go from there? If you yeah. burn the house down and the family moves, does it follow the family because now it doesn't have a place to go? Wow, that's true. And, and that actually leads me into this next question because you said you're, you're friends with the parent, Perron, our Perron family? Yeah, Andrea and them. Yeah, so look, when they, when they were in that house in Rhode Island, you know, it was, it was obviously uh, I, all the stuff. It was Rhode Island, right? 
Yeah, it's right down the yeah, road yeah. from Okay, so all of that stuff, like, it, I'm not saying it, it didn't happen. It did obviously happen. They have their stories. But, you know, when they moved out, all the stuff kind of never happened to the new family that lived there. What are your thoughts on something like that? Because it obviously didn't follow the Perone family. Like, they're fine when they moved, I think, to Atlanta after that. Well, and uh, I've talked with uh, Andrea on it and so forth. And the thing is, even she'll, she'll tell you that, of course, the movie, it was way blown, mm-hmm. blown out of proportion. Um, they had they had a ton of experiences, a ton of crazy things that went on, but nothing like uh, the uh, movie industry made yeah. it out to be. But honestly, and then when you we track down some of the information, uh, the Warrens the Warrens were on the case, and uh, whether you agree with the Warrens or not, they were groundbreakers in the field. Yeah. They, they really opened the doors for many many investigators and brought the paranormal into the limelight. Um, but there was a, a bunch of information on the house and names that were brought up, which really had no, had no connection. So if somebody had gotten in and actually did historical research and so forth, would it have been better? Would it have helped out more? Maybe they could have actually come up with some, some real stuff on on Mm -hmm. what happened there. Absolutely. Uh, Maybe they were able to, maybe they would have been able to put a name to it, uh, make contact, some sort of contact. Um, But the the parent family went through a, a, a lot of help. Yeah, it seems like that. Wow. Um, I'm just happy that they're in a much better place now. Yeah, most definitely. Because I, I, when I was doing research on that case, I, I, I was just interested in it. And I was like, damn, like, I don't know how they lasted so long in that house. Cause well, they, they, I, I investigated the place. You uh, did? Jeez, I did. I, it was on an episode of Ghost Hunters that we did. Yeah. And it was like second season or third season. Uh-huh. And we had some neat things happen. Um, but who knows? I mean, maybe one of the people in the home was the catalyst that actually helped fuel the activity. And you got to remember also, you've got younger girls and younger girls are known to be the catalyst when it comes down to poltergeist activity. They're known because they're manifesting the activity themselves. They go, their bodies go through changes. They give off more energy than, than guys do. Mm-hmm. Um, if you have a high limestone deposit area near that as well, it could, it could help fuel, fuel the activity. So there's, there's so many different possibilities of what was really causing that was it one of the girls actually working as a catalyst manifesting a lot of it themselves possibilities there or was it even maybe even fear driven you know them being so afraid they're kind of you know things are happening so exactly i mean again manifesting it yourself right happy guy coin everyone we all know car insurance can be a nightmare but there's no need to let it keep you up at night this halloween season your friends at geico are here to put your mind at ease just head on over to geico.com and see how they can help you from bumps in the night to a ding in your bumper make this a geico ween to remember let geico slash what you're spending on car insurance 15 minutes could save you 15 percent or more on car insurance happy geico ween from your friends at sus In your career, crazy things have obviously happened. Um, we did see that there was an episode of South Park that that you know had your characteristics on there. Uh, what, you, what were your thoughts on that when that came out? Did you well, know ahead of time? I, 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 yeah, we we knew actually, and I we promoted the hell out of it. <laughs> I mean, hey, you can be you can be uh, remembered on South Park. I mean, geez, the only thing I was waiting on is we we should have done Family Guy. <laughs> Seth's right from Rhode Island. Right. He's right here. But uh, I know there was some talk at one point about that. Uh, we just never went forward with it. But honestly, it's one of those things where South South Park pokes fun at everybody. Yeah. And uh, it's kind of like a badge of honor. Right. I, we, we sat there and, and actually watched the show when it aired and tweeted the hell out of it. And, <laughs> so that's uh, awesome. I mean, yeah. Well, why, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna get get upset. Yeah, what, I what can you really funny. do? I mean, people are still talking about it to this day. Yeah, <laughs> so. I mean that's like an honor in itself. Just getting getting your own little South Park character. You know, really I would I would have made toys and sold them on the Taps website. You know, <laughs> <laughs> you milk it. <laughs> yeah, I, I loved it. I, honestly, I looked at it like it was it was a badge. Of, I mean, we were making such a difference and making so much noise out there yeah. in the world that that they they looked at us and they, they were like, Hey, we got it. We got to do something on these guys. Come yeah. On. So it was great. Hey, I'm not the one who crapped my pants. Grant was. Yeah. <laughs> That's so funny. Um, look, this is, this, this might be a little bit personal, so you might not, you don't have to answer if you don't want to, but I'm going to say ghost hunters was kind of like in a way, a reality show, right? It, it is. A reality, it, it's a reality yeah, show. The cam- cameras yeah. just follow us around. So, was there at the time like a lot of money being involved, you know, because obviously you didn't get paid for the investigations, but you get paid for being on TV. You know, I grew up as an actor, so I know what that's like. Was well, there like. Honestly, I'm, I would never deny that because yeah. bottom line is the companies, they're all making money off of advertisers. Yeah. If I was working for if, if I was on TV for free and they're making tons of money off of me, I'd be an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> well, at least you're smart there, you know. <laughs> 
that that's especially a- when especially when I was on the road, you know, five, five, six, seven days out of the week, and I'm a plumber in New England. Plumbers in New England, we we do rather well. So you yeah. can, if I'm not here making money as a plumber, and I'm on the road living in a hotel. I mean, yeah. come on, I got to make my money somehow. Most definitely. You said you're a couple weeks at a time, but like how long were you away from your family at well, a time? It was the, so the first season or two was, was tough because yeah. I, I'd be gone. Jesus. Sometimes it'd be Monday. I, I would leave. I'd get home on Saturday. Um, <clears throat> and, uh, and then it was every couple weeks we'd have a, mm. a week off. But, um, but I think by the time we got to like second, third season, I was able to adjust the calendar and the schedule to, because they knew I just couldn't, I couldn't do this. I mean, my family is, is everything to me. And, uh, it got to the point where I would fly out on a Monday, uh, Monday or sometimes Tuesday in the morning, I would fly back on Thursday or Friday. And then the following week I'd fly out to, after I went through all the evidence over the weekend, I would fly back on like Tuesday, do the reveal, sit down with the client and fly home on Wednesday. And then I'd, so I'd be off, I'd be back home. So it became a thing where I'd be on the road four days, home three, uh, out for two, and then home for like five. So that's how, that's how we ended up getting it down to. And uh, so I was, I was home more often than I was, than I was on the road. And that was yeah. the most important thing. Uh, how, do, how do you balance like um, keeping that, that thrill of paranormal hunting when it's like you're kind of at this point now, like maybe, maybe let's talk about like ninth season, 10th season when it's like crazy long and you've been doing it for so long and you're, you're kind of like in a way forced to do it. Cause I know for like me, YouTube, I've been doing YouTube for like six years. And at this point, like now it kind of feels more like a job than it was fun at the time. Did you ever feel like that? Honestly, I think there, there was in the beginning of uh, ghost hunters. It really, it, it was feeling like that for a while. I have to be honest. I haven't felt that on ghost nation because it's one of those things where, um, you know, I, I'll, I'll fly out on this day. I'll fly back on, on, on that day and I'm home. Um, and if, if I feel like it's time for us to leave, nobody questions it. If I feel like we should stay, no one questions it. Um, I can jump in a car and say, guys, I'm going home. I'll, I'll be back in two, three days. Mm-hmm. No one questions it. I mean, we're the executive producers. It's our show. Yeah. And, uh, and so, and honestly, I have to say travel has been totally understandable. I mean, they, they've never, if I'm sitting there saying I'm going home for uh, this week cause I'm going to do this there's never been a question. I mean, it's, right. it's all about family and, uh, and they know, I mean, family is what makes us who we are. Yeah. So the least thing, the least thing they'd want is uh, for us to be burnt out on the road being miserable. Right. Cause that's only going <laughs> to translate on camera. Yeah. If I'm miserable in life, then it's going to translate on camera. So, uh, yeah, I mean, they've, they've been phenomenal. Um, and like I said, ghost hunters, we were able to get, we were able to get it where it was a doable schedule where honestly, when you broke it down, I was home, you know, anywhere from 15 to 20 days out of the month and and nobody was bothering me. So, uh, and uh, ghost hunters, you know, we, it was a shorter investigations, but it was, you know, we'd be here and then we'd be in the next day and we'd be in the next day. Um, and it's, it's not that, not that crazy, not that demanding for us. Yeah. What, what is, uh, what is some things we can look forward to in ghost nation in this season? Is there something that we can kind of get a little hint of? Well, we've got some great episodes coming up. First off, of course, the uh, the one with Amy and Adam at uh, the Seaview Terrace, uh, phenomenal location. But we did a, a case not too long ago where it was mind blowing because we did the investigation. So we got there, we talked with the people, we we're investigating, and one of the nights we we got this name which came across on a recorder that we didn't we didn't know about. And two days later into the investigation, doing research in the property, we found this guy's name. Oh, wow. And we were able to, wait a minute, he gave us his name two days ago. And we were able to try it. So, and then it was just a whirlwind of activity uh, that happened. But you're going to see some phenomenal locations we were at. Of course, where we like doing a lot of residential cases, we had to do some commercial cases to get, because it's COVID. I mean, right. we, had, we had to take it careful. And I don't want to go to somebody's home and endanger them and their family yeah. or then come home and endanger mine. So, uh we're able to do some bigger locations, which was, was a blast. Yeah. Um, and I think people are really going, going to enjoy what they saw and what they see and uh, just some of the evidence coming up. Yeah, looking forward to checking yeah, that out. We're definitely looking forward to that. That's, again, Ghost Nation. It's on the Travel Channel. And uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get that ready because I'm, I'm excited. I need to catch up. I missed the last season, but I'm going to catch up. Yeah, Jason Haas, thank you so much. We're almost out of time here. Do you have anything else that you would like to say on the podcast before we wrap this up? Well, I appreciate you guys having me and I appreciate all the support I, without, without the fans of, of the show, uh, wouldn't have a show. 
they're the ones who've made the sh- uh, Ghost Hunters and Ghost Nation a success. And to them, we owe everything, and we we greatly appreciate it. And thanks for you know you guys. I mean, just taking the time out of your day to have me on the show and, and to discuss this stuff. And before we wrap this up, we got our sus caller of the week. This is Janae from Georgia. Let's roll it. A couple years ago when I was living in Georgia, me and around six friends, we went to this abandoned insane asylum along with a abandoned prison that's right next door to it in the middle of the night. We were trespassing, but when we went in, we thought, okay, well, this is going to be super creepy. Really what was creepy was when we went into the jail, there was all the documents from the people who worked there and we're just going over it and a couple of my friends left so it was just me and one other person and we're going over these documents and as we're reading them one of the cell doors that were in the room we're in closed behind us and it slammed and so we ran out of there and as we're walking down the hallway trying to find the rest of our friends uh, we did see a shadow following us and we heard some footsteps because it was flooded so you could hear the water splashing behind us so we got out of there wow what what are your thoughts on that well first off definitely don't go into places that you're trespassing yeah, <laughs> especially but, prisons uh, <laughs> yeah but when you're going into a place an asylum you got to remember that a lot of the asylums also were for the criminally insane mm-hmm. so uh whether i mean we I helped out on MTV's uh, fear episode where we went to a hospital that was for that. And the things some of these people did to other individuals that they were, they were in there with uh, is just, it's disturbing. I mean, we had one where they put the leg of a bed on somebody's head and jumped on it. Wow. Um, so we had another where somebody was skinned alive so they wouldn't tell what somebody did to them in the shower. Oh um, my God. So you got to remember you're walking into a place that, that potentially has people who've passed, who were criminally insane and are still insane. They're still there. Um, you need to be careful. But also when something happens, a door slams behind you. I, I think taking off running is, is the worst choice because first you're running in fear. You're mm-hmm. running in the dark. You're running in fear. You have no idea where you're going. You have no, uh, there's really just no judgment in you, in your decisions. So you need to take a second, just calm yourself down and, and just work through that. Uh, like she was saying, I mean, she went, they went running and then yeah. they were trying to find their friends. So it appears that they were lost. Definitely a, not, not a good choice. Right. Um, you just got to gather your thoughts. You got to, you got to take that extra second, just breathe, calm down. Don't let fear get the best of you. And, uh, just safely remove yourself and others. That's advice from a true professional, guys. Thank you again, Jason, for being on the podcast. A true honor to be able to have this conversation right now. Everyone go check out Ghost Nation on the Travel Channel. I'm definitely looking forward to it. You guys are awesome. Thank you so much for your time. Of course. Take care. And everyone else, see you guys next time. Peace. Thanks for listening to Sus. Share your scare. Make sure to subscribe and check back every Wednesday for new episodes. And don't forget to tell your friends. Follow all of our social media links at shareyourscare.com. We're going to be doing tons of giveaways, but only for our most active fans. If you have a scare of your own that you want to share, leave us a voicemail. Our number is 626-275-8695. Or if you just want to shoot us an email, our email is shareyourscarepod at gmail.com. And that's spelled with a U-R. Until next Wednesday, stay sus. Stay sus.